Thanks for listening to the Aspire Church podcast. Visit us at aspirejacks.org to access additional resources or to learn more about the ministries of Aspire Church. We're starting a new series today from the Gospel of Luke. We've been in Luke for a number of months, but today's series is focused specifically on Luke chapter 15. And it's going to be a series about what is perhaps Jesus' most loved parable, a parable that we often call the prodigal son. But I want us to look at this parable from a different perspective today and actually dig into it a little deeper because I want us to look at when and where Jesus told this parable. Because I think understanding when and where Jesus told this parable is really important, but it's so often neglected. Another thing that I want us to learn about this parable over the next few weeks is that the story we know as the prodigal son is actually the third in a series of three parables. It's not the main, it's it's definitely the longest in, in terms of the number of verses, but it's not the only parable in Luke chapter 15, and actually all three of these parables are closely connected. They're, they're, They're a trilogy of parables. And I also want us to look at this reality, that prodigal doesn't mean what you think it means. The word prodigal doesn't mean what you think it means. The real prodigal in the story isn't the person you've been led to believe that it is. So if you have a Bible, open with me to Luke chapter 15. I want us to look at this passage of scripture at the beginning of Luke 15 as we start this series. And I want us to look at what is lost, what is found, and what lies between being lost and found. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, that's Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, notice right away, there are two groups that are in the audience for this series of parables. You have two groups. You have sinners and tax collectors, and you have Pharisees and scribes. So you have the two audiences to whom Jesus most often talked. You have have religious people, and you have irreligious people. You have sinners and tax collectors are irreligious, and you have the scribes and the Pharisees who are the religious crowd that he's talking to. Now, this is, goes along with a theme that we've seen in the Gospel of Luke. If you read the Gospel of Luke from beginning to end, you will find several themes that carry throughout. One is this idea of the great reversal. We looked at this for the last several weeks, that the first will be last and the last will be first. And when we think about this parable of things that are lost, it is tempting for us to think that those irreligious people are the people who were lost. And the religious people are the people who were safe and sound and found. But that's not what Jesus does. Look, look what goes on. The religious people in this parable, in this story, are the people who are complaining. Look what they said. They're, look, the tax collectors and sinners were following Jesus. They were teaching. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The religious people were complaining that Jesus was always hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And look at Jesus' response in Luke chapter 15, verse 3. So, that so is important. So, he told them this parable. Now, why was Jesus telling the parable? He was telling the parable because the religious people were complaining that the irreligious people were always following Jesus everywhere he went. And so, what was Jesus' response? He told them this, and notice that Luke puts it in singular. He told them this parable. 
In other words, Luke did not see this as three separate parables. Luke, who copied this, who wrote this down and, and, and who has the account of this that we read, Luke actually sees this as one parable. Now, the first and the second of these parables are short and serve to set up the last one. So let's go further and look at verse 4. This is Jesus speaking. Remember, you've got the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees, you got the tax collectors. Jesus is talking to the tax collectors and sinners. The scribes and Pharisees start complaining. And so what does he do? He tells them, the religious people, this parable. What man of you, talking to the religious people, having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman... Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she, when, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one center, sinner who repents. Now, just a couple observations from these two Uh, two short parables that are setting up this third. Luke balances the story here between the story of a man who has lost sheep and a woman who has lost a coin. This is a theme you'll see throughout Luke's gospel. He's constantly giving an example of a a man and a woman, and a man and a woman, reiterating this idea that Jesus' gospel, Jesus' ministry was for all people. Now, that doesn't seem unusual to us, to our modern-day ears, but in first-century Rome, that was a radical thing to do, that Jesus is constantly communicating to everybody that everybody has dignity and value and worth, and everybody—Jesus has come. His ministry is for everyone. It's for the sinners and the tax collectors— And it's also for the scribes and the Pharisees. It's for the Gentile and it's for the Jew. It's for men and it's for women. It's for everybody. But the second thing, notice about this. Notice the desperation of the shepherd and the woman to find what they'd lost. They're both desperate. The the shepherd is willing to leave the 99 sheep and go seeking the one lost sheep. The woman has lit a lamp and swept the house clean. She, She has torn the house apart to find this one coin that was lost. When we see in this passage, we see the kingdom reversal. We understand from this passage how incredibly radical this is for both this shepherd and for this woman. What sense does it make to risk 99 sheep for the sake of one sheep? What sense does it make to spend money on the party for finding one lost coin? I mean, just think about it. This woman invites her friends over and has a feast meaning that she's spending part of the money that she was so desperately seeking to find in order to celebrate that she lost this one coin. What sense does it make? There's a recklessness about these two, a recklessness in leaving the 99 to find the one and a recklessness in spending part of the money that the woman had worked so hard to find just to celebrate that she had found the money. It's almost ridiculous, which leads us to the word prodigal. 
Prodigal, as defined in the dictionary, is an adjective. And it's an adjective that basically means this. Recklessly, extravagantly, having spent everything. The word prodigal means recklessly extravagant. It means spending everything. It would be like if you go on a vacation, and it's a prodigal vacation, meaning you can't afford it. You go and you spend everything you have, and you run up your credit card debt in so doing. Like it is, a, it is a prodigal vacation. It's reckless. It, it would be like it would be like taking everything out of your retirement account and spending it all on on a new car that you don't need. It, it, would, it would be taking everything you have and recklessly, extravagantly, over the top spending it. It's everything you've got. See, the real prodigals in these two stories are the shepherd and the woman. Because they recklessly spent everything to find the lost sheep and the lost coin. The real prodigal in the story of the lost son that we're going to look at for the next few weeks is not the son himself. Yes, we call him the prodigal son because he goes out and recklessly spends his father's money. Yes, that is prodigal. But the father, the father who welcomed that lost son home, throws a party and celebrates his return, and it is the father who is expressing and demonstrating a prodigal love for his lost son. Just like the prodigal shepherd who would risk the 99, and just like the prodigal woman who would spend money to celebrate finding a coin that she had lost. See, this is the main point of Luke chapter 15, that God is the prodigal. With reckless extravagance, he seeks the lost and throws a party when they're found. What prompted this parable? What was it that made Jesus tell these stories that are told over and over again? In fact, if you go to secular culture, you look at different movies, different books, you can find that secular culture loves the story of the prodigal son. What has made this story so popular? Why did Jesus tell it? Well, the religious people were upset because Jesus was ignoring them for the benefit of the irreligious people. Surely, if God is going to come and be among us, surely he is coming for the religious. Surely he's coming for the righteous. Surely he's coming for those who seek to be holy and live holy lives. See, the sinners and the tax collectors were the people who were lost. And the scribes and the Pharisees are the 99 sheep. They're the nine coins who are in the woman's purse. The older brother who never left they, represent, they, they, they resented Jesus for his reckless, extravagant pursuit of the lost people. The Pharisees and the scribes were so upset because Jesus did not come to minister to them. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Look at Mark 2, chapter, verse 16 and 17. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The righteous people were so upset throughout Jesus' ministry that he was constantly spending his time, spending his energy, focused on those people who seemed farthest away from God. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, this speaks to the very 
heart of Jesus' mission and to the very heart of God. Religious people have a hard idea, have a hard time with this idea. They think God is for them. We tend to believe that everything about God is for those of us who are righteous and holy and seeking to live in accordance with his word. But in fact, God owes us nothing because of our religious efforts. But Jesus pushed back on this idea. He pushes back on the religious people in thinking that somehow their good behavior makes them qualified for God's love in a way that those who are irreligious and unrighteous don't deserve it. This is the entire ministry of Jesus, and it's the entire, and it's the entire purpose of God in sending Jesus. See, Jesus summarizes his mission this way. For the Son of Man came, not, came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, 10. This is the whole reason Jesus came, to seek that which is lost. Here's the principle. Because what is the difference between being lost like the sinners and tax collectors and found like the scribes and Pharisees? What is the difference between the sheep, the one sheep who has wandered, and the 99 who are still in the fold? What is the difference between the one coin that the woman lost and the nine that are in her purse? What is the difference between the son who ran away and wasted his father's money and the son who stayed behind? All that lies between lost and found is God's recklessly extravagant prodigal love. That's it. It's not your righteousness. It's not your ability to be found. It is God's recklessly extravagant prodigal love. That God would go to any length to find you, to seek you, to bring you home. See, there are two kinds of lost things. The first of these, two, uh, in, that we see in the first of these three parables. There's the animate and there's the inanimate. The sheep and the coin. The sheep wandered off, the coin was lost through no fault of its own. And there are people who are lost because of their own decision to wander, and there are people who are lost because they've never been found. And God cares for both, and God seeks after both. Some of you in this room have a testimony where you, like the sheep, wandered away. It could have been out of ignorance. It could have been out of distraction. But you wandered away. God sought you. And somehow along the way, God found you. Some of you were lost like the prodigal son. It was a willful decision that you made. A willful choice to turn away from the ways of God and to run in the opposite direction. And God has waited patiently for your return. And then some of you, some of you were like the lost coin. You didn't even know you were lost. But you had never heard the amazing story of God's reckless, extravagant, prodigal love. Until someday, one day, through no decision of your own, God found you. And you heard the story of the prodigal God. There are people who are lost because of their own decision. There are people who are lost because they just wandered away. And there are people who were lost through no fault of their own. What about you? Are you lost? Are you lost? Now I know what is true is that you know exactly where you're sitting today. At least I hope everybody in the room knows exactly where you're sitting today. 
So I don't mean, are you lost geographically? But are you somebody in the room who, like the lost coin, is hearing for the first time of God's radical love for you? And it's stirring something inside of you right now. Are you somebody who, like the sheep, just weren't paying attention and you just wandered away out of ignorance or distraction? But you somehow feel God calling you. You sense the love of a shepherd who has left everything and risked everything to find you. Or you, like the younger brother, are you somebody who willfully wandered away and maybe you're just beginning to realize what you left behind? See, to the 99, the 99 sheep who were left by the shepherd, to the nine coins that are still in the purse, if you're having a hard time loving the thing that is lost, if you are not moved with compassion for those who are not yet found, my question is, have you really experienced the recklessly extravagant prodigal love of God? Because if you've been the one sheep, if you've been the younger brother, then you know the power of God's love. How can any of us be like the scribes and the Pharisees, criticizing Jesus for the very reason he came? Criticizing Jesus because he is responding to God's reckless prodigal love and seeking the lost. This is why, church, we aspire have this simple tagline that we are called to love everyone always. Because that is what God has done in his reckless, extravagant, prodigal love. That he would walk away from this sanctuary out into the streets and into the back alleys in seeking the one that was lost. That he would extravagantly spend money to celebrate the one who was found. That he would wait diligently for the younger brother to return. And if we are having a hard time understanding that, then maybe we have never experienced God's reckless prodigal love. And maybe, in fact, we don't realize it, but we are lost. The only difference between the lost and found is God's reckless, extravagant, prodigal love. Your religion or your lack thereof is not the key. Accepting God's love in Jesus is the answer. And that's what I would invite you to do today. I would invite you to embrace the prodigal. Embrace the prodigal. For those of you who maybe realize that you are lost, embrace the prodigal love of God and be found. Embrace the love of God who has been seeking you even when you didn't realize you were lost. Even if you left of your own will, out of your own rebellion, embrace the prodigal God who has recklessly and extravagantly sent his own son who would die on the cross that you might be found. Embrace the prodigal. If you want to know more about how to do that, I would encourage you, maybe today, don't don't wait for another day. Don't wait for a time when you think it's more convenient. But right after this service, join us on the third floor for for second step. We're going to talk about what does it mean? What does it mean to accept the recklessly extravagant prodigal love of God as displayed through Jesus Christ? 
If you're here and maybe you want to know more, mark your communication card, that tear-off section, or mark it on your digital card that you want to talk to somebody about how can I be found by this prodigal God. But I want to talk to a crowd that I think is bigger than that. For those of us who do not think we're lost, for those of us who know we've been found, embrace the lost, embrace the prodigal son and daughter, Embrace people who have wandered away and celebrate with God that they have been found and been brought home. Love everyone always, regardless of their condition or status in life. Love them as a demonstration of the recklessly extravagant, prodigal love of God who died for you. We have a simple statement at Aspire Church, and the statement is this. Jesus is God with us, Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, shut down religion so we can share in God's life. This is the recklessly extravagant prodigal love of God, that God himself would come in flesh and dwell among us, God with us. And what did he come to do? He came to demonstrate God's love. He came to save us from our sin. He came to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And he came to shut down religion because religion is our attempt to get to God. Jesus is God's attempt to reach us. And he did that so that we can share in God's life. Why would you wait another day to be found? Why would you wait another minute to share that message with somebody who is lost? All that lies between what is lost and found is the recklessly extravagant prodigal love of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that nothing is lost to you. That, Lord, even when we've wandered away, even when we've rebelled and run, you know exactly where we are. And you stand arms open wide, anxious to welcome us back because you are the prodigal. You are reckless in your love for us. That you would give your own son that he might come and show us your love through his death on the cross that he would save us from sin. Lord, thank you for the beauty of that offer. And Father, may those of us who have been found by the love of Jesus never stand in the way of those who are still lost. May we rush to be a part of your mission to seek and save those who are lost. And Father, may your church be a place where lost things are found. We thank you. We thank you for your grace and your love. We thank you for your prodigal, extravagant, reckless love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Aspire Church Podcast. If what you've heard has been helpful, please subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with a friend. If you'd like to support the ministry of Aspire Church or want someone to contact you personally, please visit our website at aspirejacks.org.